you are one of our little ones up to age of second grade, if you're in second grade, we would encourage you to head to um, our children's ministry right now. Um, if you guys want to have a seat for just a second, I want to take a moment just real quick and uh, just lift up a prayer. Uh, Miss Doris, who sits over here, um, is not feeling well, and they actually just left um, to get her checked out. And I just want to take a moment and lift her up in prayer. You will also notice that Miss Karen is not here. We don't usually use the computer if it's your first time here. Um, she is not feeling well. There's there's been some bugs that have been coming through the community, um, all different kinds. And we, let's just take a moment and lift them up in prayer this morning. Let's pray together. Uh, our gracious God, Lord, we just want to take a moment, God, as we are, are, are coming into our time in your word, Lord, to lift up uh, specifically Miss Doris, God, as she is left here and is not feeling well, God, we pray that as she goes to hopefully get checked out, God, that you would just be with her, be with those at the, at the ER or wherever they go, um, God, just to check on her and make sure she is doing well. Lord, we praise you for church family um, and that she had someone to, to be able to go with her and, and to make sure that she is okay. But God, we just pray for healing. Lord, we pray that, that if she's going to go see a, a doctor or a nurse, Lord, that they might be able to see what is going on and, and be able to take care of her and, and minister to her. And God, we just pray ultimately that she would be restored. Lord, with that, we do want to continue to lift up uh, Karen and, and just... and. Uh, just pray for her also as she is not feeling well, Lord. We pray for healing on them and really all those that, that are not with us this morning um, that are home because of sickness. God, we just pray that you would bring about that healing. So God, we lift these things up to you. And God, we ask now as we get into the word together, Lord, that you might um, open up our hearts and our minds that we would uh, have an encounter with you through the word. But we ask these things in Jesus' name, amen. All right, we are beginning a, a new series um, that is going to lead us right up to and, and through Easter. We're going to be looking in the Gospel of Matthew, and uh, we're calling this the Road to Calvary. And we're going to start here today at a very important point in the Gospel of Matthew, and then we're going to continue on with several encounters and, and different events that happen between uh, Matthew 16, where we are today, and Matthew 28, which is the resurrection. So if you would please, Turn with me in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 16, and we're going to be looking at verses 13 through 23. So Matthew 16, verses 13 through 23, and if you are able, please stand for the reading of God's Word. And the Gospel according to Matthew says this, it says, Now when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, he was asking his disciples, who do people say that the Son of Man is? And they said, some say John the Baptist, others Elijah, but still others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. And he said to them, but who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered that you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus said to them, blessed are you, Simon Barjona. Because flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. I also say to you that you are Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overpower it. But I will give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Then he warned the disciples that they should tell no one that he was the Christ. From that time... 
Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and be raised up on the third day. Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him, saying, Lord, God forbid it, Lord, this should never happen to you. But he turned and said to Peter, get behind me, Satan. You are a stumbling block to me, for you are not setting your mind on God's interests, but man's. Please be seated. As we dive into the Gospel of Matthew, and as we look at this passage in particular, if you're a note-taking person, I want you to write one word at the top of the page, and that word is necessary. Now, necessary is kind of a tough word, so that's spelled N-E-C-E-S-S-A-R-Y. I have a very clear memory of having to learn that as a spelling word in fifth grade, and so I got it down with spell check's help. Necessary is defined as absolutely needed or required, but it can also mean something that is inevitable, unavoidable, or inescapable. As we jump into the Gospel of Matthew at this exact moment that Jesus and his disciples begin to make their way to Jerusalem. So this is, as you see in our passage today, this is the moment where Jesus finally says, it's time to go to Jerusalem. And from this point in Matthew 16, all the way until we get to the triumphant entry and, and, and what we'll be reading about on Palm Sunday, we see that Jesus has resolved to make his way from the north to Judea and ultimately to Jerusalem. In fact, we get a, a place at the beginning of our passage today that they were in a place called Caesarea Philippi, and that was in the northernmost part of Galilee. And so we're going to see Jesus begin this trek from the northernmost part of Galilee on the Sea of Galilee and make his way south until he ultimately finds himself in Jerusalem. The disciples do not know it yet, but Jesus' time is coming. And it is just a little bit longer. He has just a little bit longer to prepare them for what is about to take place. Our passage today ends with a statement that Jesus told his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem. The Christian Standard Bible uses a a different phrase, and I think a little bit closer to the original translation, that says, from then on, Jesus began to point out to his disciples that it was necessary for him to go to Jerusalem. In fact, as we look at this passage, we can see that this passage is full of necessary things. In fact, necessary things to us today that we need to understand just like they needed to understand before the road leads them to Calvary. It begins with a necessary question. That question is followed by a necessary answer. And to to this, Jesus shows them the necessary consequences of their answer. So let us begin with the necessary question. It says that when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do the people say that the Son of Man is? This question is the question. 
It is the golden question. It is the most important question that can possibly be asked of any person, both in this room and throughout, throughout creation. In fact, this is not only the most important question, but it is the unavoidable question of life. Every single person in this room and throughout all of the world must give an answer to the question, who is Jesus? And they will either do it in this life or as they stand before God in judgment. Who is Jesus? How would we answer this question? How would you answer this question today? We see how the people answered it. I love it. He says, who do the people say the Son of Man is? And then they begin to, to give their list of what they've kind of heard as the murmurings of the people. How much fun would it have been to be a disciple just working the crowd? You know, Jesus is teaching. Maybe you're the guy that, that was handing out loaves and fishes. Maybe you were one that was kind of looking through and you were the one that maybe got a, came ahead of Jesus as you went into town to town. Imagine you're the first of the disciples to kind of get to Caesarea Philippi. You were like kind of the, the scouting party. You know, this is pre-internet. You couldn't just reserve a, a, a hotel. You had to kind of get there and figure out where you're going to stay and what you're going to do. And maybe you were that guy. And you got to hear what the people were saying about Jesus when Jesus wasn't around. Or hear what the crowds were saying about Jesus while he was teaching and, 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 and speaking in the synagogues. So what did they hear? We hear it in verse 14. They said, some say John the Baptist. This had been a rumor that we'd heard about. In fact, even Herod, who had, had killed John the Baptist, had him beheaded, um, was a little nervous because suddenly like, he thinks he's taking care of his John the Baptist problem, only to hear that now there's a new person out there preaching and performing miracles, and the rumor was that John was back and it scared him. Others said Elijah. Now this is significant because Elijah was the one that was supposed to come before the Messiah, that he was the, the forerunner that they had kind of expected. That was what they had read in Malachi. And so they thought, some people thought that he was just the, the forerunner, the one that was becoming, that was coming before the Messiah. Still others said Jeremiah. Or just one of the prophets. That he was a new prophet of God speaking for God. Makes you wonder and, and really start to consider what do people say today about Jesus? You know, if Jesus were to ask you today, who do the people say I am? It'd probably look a little different today. And if we think about what we've heard, and you've probably heard some of these things, we might say to Jesus today, some say that you're a great moral teacher. Still others say that, that you are maybe an, an enlightened, enlightened spiritualist, that Jesus was like the forerunner of the New Age movement. Still others say that, that they're not even sure you existed at all and that you're not just something that, that Rome made up in order to control the people. We've heard these things before. I certainly have. Or maybe people just don't want to answer the question at all. And maybe that's even you today that you kind of hope that if you just continue to put off the question that eventually it'll kind of figure itself out. And I think a lot of people do that today and we decide instead of answering and dealing with the question of who is Jesus, we, 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 we 
just set that on the back burner. We kind of think of that as just kind of a religion thing. And, and I've just, I've got too much stuff going on my plate now. I've got all these important things. I'm trying to, you know, get my career going. I'm getting ready for retirement. I'm trying to get my kids raised and out of the house and blah, 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 blah. And I'll, I'll deal with that Jesus thing later. But we need to be careful. Because I've heard it said recently, and I think this is oh so true, and that is refusing to answer the question is still an answer. You ever text somebody, hey, are you still coming to help me move my couch? And they don't answer? Do you know that the lack of answer is still an answer? If I ask you to help me move my couch and you don't answer, I know that that is an answer. It's no and then you suddenly pop up three days later like, hey, man, what's up? Like, yeah, the couch has moved now. I think we do that with Jesus. And when we get pressed with the question, who is Jesus? We initially just go, I don't, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know who he is. Well, what do you think? I, I, don't, I don't even know what I think. And they just put it off. I'm reminded of a, a young man that attended uh, Camp Schaefer when Chris and I were directing. We still are directing. I've said that in the past tense, but we're not done yet, right? Um, and I talked to a young man, and I finally said, hey, man, you know, you've been here. You've heard the Jesus. You've heard it all. You've heard the gospel. You've been here all week. We're talking, this is Thursday. Like, we're, we're just short of, like, packing up the vans and going. And, and we're, pretty, we're pretty particular. We want to make sure that kids hear the gospel where, where they're at camp. So we're pretty thorough about that. And I went up to this young man who I, I'd known for a few years, and I said, hey, man, what's going on? I was like, you've heard the gospel. You know the gospel. You know the good news. Where are you at? And he said, I, I don't, I don't, and he, he said, I don't know. I guess I've never really thought about it. And I said, you've got 24 hours. I said, I'm not saying if you don't decide in 24 hours, you're not saved. But I'm saying you got 24 hours, think about it. Answer the question. Who is Jesus? And you can, and, and I want you to really think about it. I want you to think about it, pray about it. I want you to really kind of just think about what's going on. And, and write down questions. Have any questions you want. I will answer any questions you have. I don't mind that. But tomorrow I want to have a conversation about it. So here, here's your warning. You can't leave because I'd be right. Which is a great feeling. I said, but you've got 24 hours to think about this and to ask yourself the question, who is Jesus? Because you need to answer this question. And you can't keep kicking it down the road. Because no answer is still an answer. When I was thinking about this, I was reminded of what Paul wrote to the church in Corinth, and in 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 2, Paul says, At the acceptable time I listened to you, and at the day of salvation I helped you. Behold, now is the acceptable time, and behold, now is the day of salvation. See, Jesus was pressing the church in Corinth. He's like, listen, the time is now. And, and, he, and he's saying this because, listen, if you kick this down the road, if you push this off another day, another week, another month, you may never get there. 
And there will come a time where if you refuse to answer the question, Jesus will take your answer as a no and you will stand before the throne in judgment instead of in mercy. Today is the day of salvation. Today is the appropriate time. I ask you today, who is Jesus? This leads us to the necessary answer. Jesus has asked them, he says, listen, he says, who do the people say I am? Who do the people say the Son of Man is? And they say, well, you know, we've heard people say that you're Elijah. We've heard people say you're John the Baptist back to life, that you're Jeremiah or one of the prophets. And then he really presses them directly and he says, but who do you say that I am? Who do you, the disciples, my followers, say that I am? And Peter is the one who speaks up and Peter gives the necessary answer. He says, you are the Christ. Literally meaning that you are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. Now this answer is necessary in a couple of ways. First, in one sense, it is necessary because there will come a day where every single person will acknowledge that Jesus is Lord. That this is, this reality is unavoidable. And even if you walk out of here today and say, that bald man is crazy and I never want to go to that building again, there will still be a day where you will stand before the throne of God and you will say, Jesus is Lord. Philippians 2.11 says, 2.10-11 says this, that at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow, and of those who are in, on, on heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. This is an unavoidable reality. Everyone, whether they are in heaven above, earth below, or in the pits of hell, will acknowledge that Jesus is Lord. But there's a reality here that is more necessary and more relevant to us today. And that is that this answer is necessary because there is no other answer that will save you from your sin. A verse that I quote often, and it is because I absolutely love it, is Acts 4.12. And it says that there is salvation in no one else. For there is no other name under heaven that has been given among men by which we must be saved. There is no other name that saves you but Jesus. Please understand me here. I want you, I want you dialed in in this moment. This is it. This is the only way that you get to enjoy eternity with God. This is the only way that you can be made right with God. This is the only way that you can be saved from your sin. There is no other way by which a person might be made right with God except through Jesus. I want to show you, if you would, Brittany, uh, put up the three circles, please. And I, want, I, want to talk, I want to show you this for just a second. We, we present the gospel away, and I want to kind of point this to that. And we have our first circle that says that God has a design, that God has a plan for us, and that that if we could live in that plan, everything would be good, but we don't. And because of that, we sin against God, and we find ourselves in a place of brokenness. We talked about brokenness. Brokenness is that we feel it, that brokenness is that thing in our life 
that, that really kind of gives us that aching that we're not living up to our potential, we're not being who we're supposed to be, that, that something is wrong with us. And all of us feel that way from time to time. All of us. But I want you to notice these little squiggly lines. All of those little squiggly lines are when we try to give the answer of who is Jesus some other meaning. When we try to think that we can be right with God some other way. If we say, I think Jesus was a good moral teacher, and if I'm moral enough, then I should be good, that's one of those squiggly lines. Guess where those squiggly lines go? Nowhere. If we say, I think Jesus was a, 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 a just an enlightened spiritual person, and if I just am a spiritual person, and I just kind of think in a, a spiritual way, and maybe if I take special drugs in order to feel like I have a heightened sense of identity, then I'll be made right with God. That's the squiggly line. Guess where it goes? Nowhere. Or maybe if you say that, that Jesus, you're not even sure Jesus existed and, and I just need to work things out on my own. And if there is a heaven at all, then if I'm just, a, just the best person I can be, then it should all work out. That's one of those squiggly lines. Guess where it goes? Nowhere. Because if the answer to who Jesus is is anything besides the Christ, the Son of the living God who takes away the sins of the world, then you are still broken. And the Bible says it this way. It says that we are dead in our sins and trespasses. See, the only answer to the question, who is Jesus, that passes us from death into life is that Jesus is the Christ. And this is the place that Jesus has been leading his disciples the whole time. This is the place that he was trying to get them to. And I want you to kind of recognize this, that up to this point, Jesus has been teaching and he's been performing miracles and he's been healing people. He's raised a, you know, a little girl from the dead. He's been doing all sorts of amazingly cool things. And all of that is to get the disciples to the point where they will say, I believe that you are the Christ, the son of the living God. Because if he did not get them to this point, everything that is about to transpire would make no sense to them whatsoever. But they had to have that established. They had to believe that he was the Christ in order for them to begin to understand everything else that was about to happen. We can look throughout the Scriptures and over and over again, when people ask Jesus, who are you? He pointed to the miracles and the healings and the teachings. When John the Baptist's followers came to Jesus and said, are you the one or do we look for another? He immediately did perform miracles and healings and did amazing things. And he said, look for yourself and go tell John. Everything was bringing the people to the point that they understood that Jesus was the Christ. And this brings us to the necessary consequence of this statement. Look again at verse 21. It says, From that time, Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and be raised on the third day. There is an amazing shift that is happening in Jesus' ministry in this moment. See, up to this point, Jesus has not really 
told the people plainly why he's there, what his mission is, what his purpose is. He's given them some some clues. He talks a couple times in the Gospel of Matthew about the sign of Jonah and that he's going to give them the sign of Jonah and how, how just like Jonah was in the belly of the fish for three days, so too the Son of Man will be in the ground. And he's given them clues, but it is not up until this point that he tells his follow, followers plainly what he has come to do. It is at this moment after they have declared that he is the Christ, that he tells them that he is going to his betrayal, his crucifixion, and his resurrection. That these things were necessary and that they were what he came to do as the Christ. We can't help but look at how they respond to this news. In fact, Peter ends up pulling him aside. And, you know, they've just, you know, it's kind of like, hey, man, I thought we just shared a moment. Like, I thought we just, like you and me, we just had a moment. Like, you asked who we were, who you were, and I said you're the Christ. And you said that, like, all that, like, you're going to build your church and, and you're gathering on, on, on me and on, on all the good things. That, and, and that this, like, we're going we're gonna to beat Satan and we're going to beat the gates of hell. And, 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 and man, we're going to, like, we're... We're going, we're going to get it, Jesus. Come on, you and me, Peter, Jesus, we're together. And then Jesus says, okay, by the way, we're on our way to Jerusalem. I'm going to get betrayed. I'm going to get killed. But don't worry, I'm going to rise from the grave uh, on the third day. And Peter's like, Jesus, this is not good PR, man. This is, if, if you're wanting to, you know, win people, how to succeed in business without trying, this is not how you do it. And so Peter pulls him aside and he's like, Jesus, stop saying that. May it never be like, like, don't say that type of stuff. We're not going to let that happen to you, Jesus. We got 12 people here ready to roll. They're not going to do that to you. And Jesus rebuttaled to him and said, he says, you are not setting your mind on God's interest, but man's. See, Peter did not want Jesus to die because that would have been bad for him as a follower of Jesus. He was thinking in the world and in this moment at this time. And and what Jesus is saying is like, man, that's not going to get us to the place that we're sitting on thrones and ruling over people and taking over and and beating Rome and, and doing all the things that we think you're going to do. But Jesus knew that this was the very reason that he had come. And that his death would would do more than usher in an earthly kingdom, but that it would save not only Peter and his disciples, but all of those who come to believe in Jesus from their sins. After the resurrection, Jesus made it all clear to them. In fact, I love what Jesus says in Luke 24. And I'm going to be reading starting in verse 44. And it says this, it says, Now he said to them, These are my words which I spoke to you while I was still with you that all things which are written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms would be fulfilled. And then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures. And he said to them, thus it is written that the Christ would suffer and rise again from the dead on the third day. And that repentance for the forgiveness of sins would be proclaimed in his name to all the nations beginning from Jerusalem. A necessary question leads to a necessary answer 
as well as a necessary consequence. We ask the question, who is Jesus? And everyone here in this room has to answer that question. Now the answer is He is the Christ, the Son of the living God. He is the one who lived a perfect life so that He would might die a sacrificial death on the cross, paying the price for our sins. This Jesus would then be raised from the dead on the third day, defeating death and giving all those who believe in Him everlasting life. And this is the gospel that you see up there. See, the gospel is the good news that what Jesus set out to do is exactly what he did. That the cross and the resurrection were not an accident, but they were the plan. If you were in Sunday school this morning, even Jesus says, he says that that I am like a seed that is planted in the ground. And that not until it is planted might it grow up. And he tells them that he is going to die. But the reason for his death is so that we might have life. And the good news of the gospel, the only thing that can deliver you from your brokenness is answering that question, who is Jesus with I believe that He is the Christ? And not only do I believe that Jesus is the Christ, but I am surrendering my will to Him. I am surrendering my life to Him. I am repenting of my sin and I am following Jesus. This is the good news of the gospel. This is what it means to repent and believe. And this question is still being laid out to us every day. If you are with us today and you have not made Jesus Christ the Lord of your life and and this question is being laid out before you, how have you answered it in the past? I'm curious. Have you... Are you here today, maybe because someone dragged, dragged you here? And up to this point, you've just been just saying, like, I think Jesus was probably a guy back in the day, and he probably did some cool stuff, and, and some people wrote about him, but then, you know, the church got it blown all out of proportion and all of that stuff. Fair enough. But when we look at this text, when we look at the history, from the very, very beginning, People have said that Jesus was the Christ, the Son of God. And not only did he die on the cross, which has been historically accounted for in multiple places in multiple ways, but that he rose from the grave. And that people like his own brother were willing to die because they believed they saw the resurrected Jesus. Maybe you're here today and you just say, I, I, just, don't, I, I just don't want to answer that question. I'm just hoping that if I'm a good enough person and maybe I do some good things and maybe I come to this church from time to time that I'll be good. I'm going to tell you, you know, as the old saying goes, just because you sit in a garage doesn't make you a car. And that this question is laid before you and the only, th- and, and the only thing that is going to save you from your sin and make you right with God is if you come to the realization if the Spirit reveals to you that Jesus is, in fact, the Christ, will you believe that today? And in believing that, will you give your life to Christ? Now, you may be here today, and you are a follower of Jesus. But make no mistake, just because you are a follower of Jesus and that you have placed your hope and trust 
And the gospel of Jesus Christ does not mean that we don't answer this question every day. And every day we have to get up and we have to decide, do I trust Jesus or am I going to trust myself today? See, Peter, he said he believed Jesus is the Christ, but when it came right down to it, he said, but I don't want you to be that Christ. If you are a follower of Jesus, you have to believe that Jesus is everything he said he is every day and live that out in your life. Not, because, not so that you might, you know, we're not worried about losing your salvation or that's jeopardizing your relationship with him, but rather because there is a world who needs an encounter with Jesus and you and your walk in your life is how they may come to know him. Are you ready to get up every day and live your life in such a way that people can see that Jesus is Lord? What are you going to do with this question? Who is Jesus? What are you going to do with the answer that saves? And what are you going to do with the fact that in order for him to save you, it meant he had to be betrayed and crucified and resurrected? If you're ready to make Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior today, we want to invite you to come up front and i'd love to have a conversation with you about what it means to follow jesus if you don't want to talk to me i don't blame you but you probably came with somebody here today or you know someone in this room today that would love to share with you a little bit more about what it means to make jesus christ your lord and savior if you are a follower of jesus i challenge you today live like it and allow your life and your words to point people to Jesus. Let's pray together. Our gracious God and King, Lord, we thank you so much for your word. God, we praise you that you sent your one and only son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross. And Lord, we recognize from our passage today that that's why you sent him. This wasn't the the last effort of a dozen failed attempts to save your people. But Lord, this was the plan from the foundation of the world. That from the moment Adam and Eve ate the fruit and and fell into sin, Lord, that you already had this plan in place that you would redeem a people for yourself. And that comes through Christ. God, every single person in this room is confronted with the question, who is Jesus? And God, we're even reminded from the passage that, that, that the truth of that question is revealed through the Spirit. And so God, I pray even now, God, that your Spirit would fall heavy on this place. God, if there is anyone in this room today that does not know Jesus Christ as, as, as Lord and Savior, God, I pray that even now your Spirit is convicting them of their sin, of helping them to see the truth that Jesus is the Christ And God, I pray that they would respond to the gospel in saving faith today, that they might believe and that they might repent, making Jesus the Lord of their life. God, for the rest of us, I pray that you would just burden our hearts, that we live this out every day, that we would recover and pursue your design for our lives, and that God, that our lives might be a living witness and a living testimony to the fact that Jesus is is the Christ. And God, may you be glorified in all these things. And God, may you have your will be done. 
But we ask these things in the precious name of Christ Jesus. Amen.